table. I kept on seeing him look at me while he's with that other girl. Do you think he was just doing that to make me jealous? Because he was totally texting me all night last night, and I don't know if it's a booty call or not. So, like, what do you think? Do you, did you think that girl was pretty? How did that girl even get in here? Do you see her? She's so short, and that dress is so tacky. Who wears cheetah? It's not even summer. Why does the DJ keep on playing summertime sadness? After you get out of the bathroom, can we go smoke a cigarette? I really need one. But first, let me take a selfie. back for yet another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as MMAopinion.co.uk. I am your host as always, Jeremy Brand, and, and we have a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. Um, joining me on the show, we have Elias Theodoro. He is from Tough Nations. Um, he is a part of Team Canada, and he will be fighting on next week's episode against Tyler Manawaroa. Um, this guy, obviously he's known for his hair, he's known for some modeling, he's known for a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, we are joined by him um, later on in the show. Joining me first, um, we will be joined by World Series of Fighting um, bantamweight fighter Josh Reddinghouse. This guy is set to take on Marlon Marias at World Series of Fighting 9 in just a couple weeks' time for the inaugural Bantamweight Championship, and I cannot be more excited about this fight as I'm a huge fan of both these fighters, so it'll be interesting to talk with Josh about um, his time in the World Series of Fighting, his time coming up as a mixed martial arts fighter as he's very young in the sport, and how he thinks he's going to fare against someone like Marlon Marias. So we'll chat with him in a little bit here. But starting things off, it was, it is fight week, and it was... Um, UFC 171 this past weekend, a giant card as Johnny Hendricks took on Robbie Lawler in the main event, but we will start with uh, the very first fight on the preliminary card. We had Ovin St. Preux, who took it to Nikita Krylov with a technical submission of Von Fluchoke, which you don't see much of these days in the world of MMA. Um, it's sort of like a side choke, uh, uh, as it's called a technical submission. This one happened very early. He locked it in 1 minute and 29 seconds into the first round. So OSP will be looking to climb the rankings and look to take on someone a little more um, legible in the light heavyweight division. Welterweight fight was up next as Hector Lombard earned the unanimous decision against Jake Shields. Um, a few people were slagging Lombard's performance in this fight, but... I don't know how you can do that when he absolutely dominated Jake Shields from bell to bell. One judge gave the gave one round to Shields. I don't know how that happened, but Lombard was able to nullify all of Shields' offense in throughout the entire um, three rounds of this fight, and and he utilized his takedown judo takedowns with uh, some beautiful technique. So hats off to Hector Lombard and. And we'll see him climbing the ranks as well. Now, Miles Jury was another one who who made his opponent look like an absolute amateur in their lightweight bout. He defeated Diego Sanchez via unanimous decision. Again, one of the judges gave one of the rounds to Sanchez where I don't know how that happened. Um, Sanchez, after the fact, was blaming this on food poisoning, the fact that he didn't look so great in his contest against Jury, but... Miles Jury again moving up the ranks and, and should get a top 10 opponent in his next contest. 
Co-main event unfortunately ended a tad bit early as Carlos Condit was not able to continue past the two-minute mark in the second round because of a knee injury. Tyron Woodley, you see, his name is coming up short in this because of the way this fight ended, but he dominated the first round, taking Carlos Condit down, controlling the fight wherever it was. He was controlling it on the feet, and he was able to take the fight to the ground when he wanted to. And uh, the knee injury occurred on a takedown, a double-leg takedown by Woodley. So props to Tyron Woodley and, and uh, the fact that he was able to finish Carlos Condit with a leg kick and injured his knee. So good job on Tyron Woodley. He's pleading for a welterweight title shot with that victory. Now the welterweight title, Johnny Hendricks defeated Robbie Lawler by unanimous decision. Um, 48-47 on each judge's scorecard. It was a fight that Robbie Lawler had in his pocket. He was dominating Hendricks on the feet. He was landing at will, bloodied him up. His face was absolutely um, battered, but Johnny Hendricks did enough and landed enough and, and turned the tables in the fifth round. I, I myself had it even going into the fifth round. Um it was very strange. One of the judges had the second round 10-8 for Johnny Hendricks, and that same judge had the final frame, the fifth round, a 10-10 round. Um, if the judge gave round 2 10-8 in favor of Johnny Hendricks, how round 3 was not 10-8 for Robbie Lawler, I do not know. But all three judges had it in favor of Johnny Hendricks, and he is the new welterweight champion after the fight he called out george st pierre because you know that's who he wants to fight he feels that he had that fight he won that fight and uh he would like to fight him again so all in all ufc 171 was a fantastic card a total gate of 2 million 600 total attendance of 19,324 at the american Airlines center in dallas texas congratulations to the ufc Congratulations to Johnny Hendricks on winning the welterweight championship. And we'll be moving on to this weekend's fight card. We have UFC um, Fight Night uh, 38, Shogun versus Henderson 2. So uh, we got Dan Henderson versus Mauricio Shogun, who in the main event these two have fought before in what was fight of the year. Um, we've got CB Dalloway versus Cesar Ferreira. Norman Park taking on Leonardo Santos. It's a very heavy Brazilian heavy card because it is in Brazil. We've got Fabio Maldonado versus Gian Volante. Michael Prezeres versus Merbeck Taisumov. And Honey Jason versus Steven Seiler. We've got a six-fight main card. This fight card is going down on Sunday in North America, so you should enjoy that. What I am going to enjoy is this interview that is coming up right after this little break. We have Josh Reading House. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. It's time! Oh, big right hand! Henderson looking to finish the fight! Big shot by Shogun! He's hurt! He's big hurt. shots! Unbelievable! Shogun's, Shogun's covering up! He's standing right in front of him! Oh! Wow! Fall out for Shogun! Hands in trouble! Without a doubt, one of the best fights ever in MMA. The first fight with Shogun uh, was fight of the night, and this next fight, you know, it's, it's going to be another chess match with a lot of action. Man, they're firing away! 
eu vou ter que lutar muito concentrado, porque o Don Henderson é um cara muito rápido, um cara que tem mão pesada. Então, com certeza, eu espero ser com a vitória hoje à noite. Quando eu pinto na minha cabeça, eu quero uma pintura como a última luta, ser um pouco mais agressivo, para que eu não acabe em cima, e olhar para finalizar ao mesmo tempo. Não há nenhuma forma que ele me derrubará, finalizará ou submetará. Isso não vai acontecer. Eu estou decidido a ter um novo cinturão do UFC. Esse é meu grande sonho, esse é meu grande desejo, eu sei que não vai ser fácil. Eu preciso vencer o Dan Henderson. Eu respeito o Shogun a grande deal. Ele é um cara difícil e um grande lutador que é muito bem-rounded e perigoso em qualquer lugar, mas eu vou ele silly. He is set to take on Marlon Marias at WSOF 9, I believe, in just a couple weeks' time. Please welcome Josh, the finisher, Reading House. Josh, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Now, first things first, the finisher... That that can be taken the wrong way by some people. How did that nickname come about? Um, you know, honestly, uh, that's just something uh, one of my old coaches uh, dubbed me. You know, I, I finished a lot of guys in a row. I used to finish a lot of guys in the gym as well. Um, it's truly not like my like official nickname. He was actually like uh, in charge of my sure dog account. He just put that on there. I never put it on like the like the ring announcement or anything, but, you know, it's whatever. Do you, do you have an official nickname? No, I don't. No. Now, so you're you're still pretty young in your mixed martial arts career. How did you get get into the sport of MMA? Uh, Yeah, definitely really new. Um, you know, I wrestled in high school, and, uh, you know, I passed up on a couple opportunities to, you know, do the junior college wrestling route, and uh, um, one of my friends that I wrestled with in high school like randomly hit me up a couple of months uh, um, after I was like in community college at the time, just taking classes and he wanted, he was taking some amateur fight and wanted me to help him train. And honestly, I knew nothing about the amateur circuit or really the mixed martial arts circuit in general. I was really curious. I was a big fan. I just didn't even know how to get involved. And I didn't know that, um, you know, the city that I'm in currently even had, you know, gyms, train at so when he um brought it up you know he brought me into an mma gym and pretty much just never looked back man i just loved it fell in love the first day yeah and you began your professional career in, in 2011 and you've already amassed 12 fights i i read on your sure dog account that in 2013 you had a crazy seven fights i mean most fighters only have two to three fights in a year what was it like going through seven different training camps yeah, that was crazy. Um, honestly, I didn't have like a, a real training camp for any of those fights. All those fights were short notice. Um, you know, I was kind of just, uh, I was in the mindset, you know, I just tried to stay in the gym as much as I could. That's what I always try to do. And, uh, you know, the old motto goes, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. I honestly don't even really believe in that anymore, but, uh, that's what, that was my motto at the time. And, uh, the previous year, I think I only fought, you know, two or three times, which I wanted to stay more active. So, uh, you know, I was excited. I was, I was all for anything that came my way. Do you do you find it that way? That in, I mean, you're in Washington, correct? 
Yeah, I, I know okay. a few. I know a few guys that train out of Washington, as we're based in Vancouver, British Columbia. So, I know a lot of guys say that that there are a ton of short notice fights, and and some guys down in Washington State actually just get called up who train in their backyards, kind of thing. Do you find that with the local mixed martial arts scene? Oh no doubt, man. Like I said, all all of those fights last year were short notice. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it was a combination of uh, not having the greatest manager, um, but you know, it, it's just I don't know exactly what the deal is here in Washington. But all these fights, man, I don't know if they just wait till the last second to put their fight cards together, or so many people drop out. I I honestly have no idea, but. You know, like I said, everybody's motto around here is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I think it's truly because uh, all these short notice fights, and I feel like uh, myself and all my training partners um, are always taking short notice fights. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on down here. So, so what's it like to have, I mean, this Marlon Marias fight, you must, you have actually had a full training camp. What's it feel like to actually be in the gym for an, for a consistent full training camp? Yeah, it feels great, man. Um, you know, like I said, I've never had that before. Um, you know, it's a, it's a little uh, tiring, to be honest. You know, I thought, uh, you know, you hear people talk about it, you know, that obviously I didn't exactly know what it was about. I mean, before I just stayed in the gym as much as I could, but when you have a fight lined up that far out in advance and you're thinking about it the whole time, you know, you push yourself every single day. You go to the gym for nine weeks straight. I mean, it's truly dealing on, you know, not only your body, but your mind. And, uh, but at the end of the day, it just, uh, I think it's really a confidence booster, especially, um, just in the sense of like, you know, cardiovascular. And, uh, that's what I'm most excited about. How did, how did you get signed with World Series of Fighting? I, I, I didn't hear the story of this. You said all of your bouts last year were short-notice fights. So how did World Series of Fighting find out about Josh Reddinghouse? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Um, basically what had happened was I had all those fights, um, short-notice. Um, like one of my old coaches was managing me at the time. And uh, one of my main training partners, Lee Morris, and... Um, he's actually fighting for the M1 Global Featherweight World title a week after my fight. But he had just signed with a new manager um, and was getting all these opportunities and all these sponsors and stuff. And it was kind of a first for him, too. And he just kind of put it in my ear one day that, um, you know, I should look into talking to his manager and maybe getting signed. He said his manager was looking to manage a weight. He didn't have any bantamweight talent to roster. And, uh, you know, I, I contemplated for a little while, but then I gave him a call after I talked to my coach about it. And, uh, you know, we talked for like an hour one night. Um, and nothing even came up about the World Series of Fighting, but literally I woke up the next day, the next morning, to him blowing my phone up uh, with the World Series of Fighting offer and the Alexis Viewer fight, and I just jumped all over it. <laughs> it must have been a shock. I mean, going from all these regional scene fights to one of the biggest promotions in the world. Yeah, no doubt, man. I was extremely excited and happy to um, even get the offer. You know, I was especially, um, you know, the fight was in Miami. You know, I hadn't even, I'd never even been south of, you know, northern Oregon before that. So it was just huge, man. It was a win-win situation for me and uh, extremely excited. And uh, it was 
It's really cool. It's great experience. Well, now at WSOF 9, you're facing an always dangerous Marlon Marias. Obviously, you're aware of, of who he is and the skills he possesses, but where do you see yourself having the advantage? Uh, you know, I honestly don't know where my advantages lie. Um, you know, i got to go in there and figure it out. I think that we match up pretty well, though. You know, he's a great kickboxer. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, um, I think that I might be a little bit more well-rounded. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you're going to see a little bit of everything. Inside. I think you're going to see little kickboxing, little clinch work, little wrestling, little BJJ. Um, and that, that's the game plan. When I just got to mix it up, I think that's my biggest asset is uh, I'm extremely well-rounded. And uh, I just think I mix it up better than everybody. You know, I got something to keep them guessing. Are you a guy that watches tape? Have you have you been studying up on this guy, watching his past fights? Oh, no doubt, man. I was watching, you know, I'm a huge fight fan. You know, I don't know if I'm a fan or a fighter first, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge mixed martial arts fan. And, uh, you know, I was watching his fights before I was even signed with the World Series of Fighting. So, uh, you know, it's, and as soon as I got the call, you know, I kind of looked back on his fights a little bit. But I already knew what he was about and, what he brings to the table, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not about what he brings to the table. It's about what I bring to the table. The only thing that, uh, I really look at or really like to know, I just kind of like to get a, a grasp of what his style is. You know, I like to know like, okay, is he mainly a wrestler? Is he mainly a kickboxer? Or is he mainly a BJJ guy? Or is he just one of those guys that is well-versed everywhere, you know? So once you know that, I mean, you can kind of develop a little bit of a strategy. But, um, yeah, I'm not sitting here analyzing his tape like, oh, he always throws the mm-hmm. one-two kick. You know what I mean? You, you start doing that, and then you, you start sitting around, and you wait for it. You know, you got to just train your body to react for whatever, you know, and that's what I do. Yeah, and the cool thing the cool thing about this fight is that Marias is sort of this guy that the World Series of Fighting has built up now over the past few cards and and he was he was literally to m- many people out there a nobody when it came to fighters until they built him up and now you're able to fight this guy who's one of their stars and with a win you could take advantage of that same sort of you know notoriety of them building you up yeah exactly man i mean uh i hate to you know spoil their little party or whatever cuz you know i kind of feel like um you know, and I don't want to put words in their mouth. I don't want to do anything like that. But, you know, I do feel like, you know, they think that he's going to win and they want to crown him as champion and make him the face of the Bantamweight division. But like you said, man, I'm here to make a name for myself and I'm here to use him to do that, you know. So uh, I enjoy being the underdog and uh, I hate to spoil their plans, but, you know, it is what it is and that's what I'm looking to do. So if and when you win... How do you picture or how have you been dreaming about it happening? Because obviously, I'm sure you're sleeping at night and, and con- constantly thinking about this fight. Oh, yeah, man. I'm eating, sleeping, drinking, you know, constantly thinking about the fight, um, constantly visualizing as well. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, it could it could really end anywhere, you know. I know I can knock people out. I know I can submit people. And uh, I know I can take people to distance and uh, win rounds by points. So... You know, I just gotta, I gotta take whatever he gives me and just see where the fight goes. But, uh, you know, I just, 
you know, I'm, I'm here to stay up on the points, win rounds, and look for the finish no matter what. So it, it's hard to say where it could go, you know, both of us being pretty well-rounded. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just see my see myself getting my hand raised. So that's most important. With a victory, you'll be on a four-fight winning streak and the WSOF bantamweight champ. Um, what happens next for you? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm game for anything. Um, I don't know exactly who the next opponent would be or anything like that. I'm still, I mean, I'll still be under contract with the World Series fighting. Um, but, you know, I welcome any and all challenges. You know, I'm not a guy that wants to pick fights or turn down fights or anything like that. You know, I like staying active and, uh, you know, whoever, you know, whoever wants to fight, you know, let's do it. I don't, I honestly don't care. I want to stay as busy as possible. So, um, whoever they want to throw in the cage with me, you know, let's do it. You know, the sooner the better. As a guy who you said, you said you were a fight fan. You don't know whether you're a fighter or a fan first. Is the ultimate goal to get to the UFC then? Uh, you know, it used to be as far as, you know, like when I was an amateur and doing things like that. But that was also when, um, you know, there wasn't any of these other bigger promotions, you know. Obviously, you know, the UFC is great and I'm a huge UFC fan and it would be awesome to be there. But, you know, with <clears throat> the World Series of Fighting giving me these opportunities and stuff, the last thing I want to do is uh, disappoint them or anything like that. I think... Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's really just about uh, fighting on a big stage, you know, making money and uh, fighting elite competition. And, you know, as long as the World Series of Fighting can provide all of those things, you know, I'm honestly content with, you know, staying there. It's, you know, it's a different landscape than it was when I first started. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm content being the, uh, the old Gilbert Melendez of the World Series of Fighting, if you will, if that's what, you know, ends up being great great answer um moving away from the fight itself having seven fights in one year were you able to to train full-time or do you have a side job as well i do have a side job um i'm currently working like 20 hours a week i actually worked a lot more last year it was a lot harder and honestly last year i was i was still in school too completely full-time all year so last year was a crazy busy year uh, this year has been a lot different. Um, I'm not even in school currently. I should just kind of put that on the back burner for this fight. Uh, but yeah, I'm just working like 20 hours a week and my boss is actually a pretty big fight fan too. So he's really good about, um, working with my schedule and, um, you know, giving me the time off to train and fight and do all that. So really, um, I got a lot less on my plate for this fight coming up, and uh, I'm hoping it's going to make a big difference. Now, um, I know that you're a good friend of ours, Dave Coe, is the head of Fight for Something. I know you got your, you guys have sort of partnered up, and you've been wearing some of his stuff. Just explain how you got together with Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah, Dave's awesome. Uh, you know, shout out Dave and Fight for Something. Um, basically, what had happened, um, I think. Um, my manager also manages, uh, Daniel Swain, yep. who, um, he's fighting in XFC, he's doing some other stuff too, he's got a non-exclusive deal, but somehow he got hooked up with Dave and, uh, then he signed with my manager and everything. And I think he actually introduced, uh, Dave to my manager and, uh, one way or another, 
Um, you know, he was actually one of my only sponsors for my last fight. So I thought it was great. You know, he's got a great company. I like, you know, I like his clothing line. I like the, um, the designs and he's also got like a great little cause behind everything. So, um, you know, I'm glad to represent his company and give him as much marketability as I can. So yeah, shout out Dave and fight or something. Awesome. Now, finally, before we let you go, we have to talk Seattle Seahawks. Um, they've gotten rid of two of their top wide receivers in Sidney Rice and Golden Tate, which is absolutely unfortunate. Does that worry you at all for the upcoming season? Uh, you know, it does a little bit. They lost a couple of defensive guys too. Um, honestly, Sidney Rice didn't even really play a huge part in um, their season last no, he year. Didn't. So I think, yeah. yeah, I think that you know they were paying him a lot of money, and uh, they realized that they didn't really need him. Um, we get, you know, we got a lot of young guys. It's a really young team. Um, and you know, those, all these unsigned, I think Seattle's great at like, they pick up like all these like undrafted free agents and, uh, you know, those guys stepped up huge. And I think really releasing Sydney Rice might've been huge, you know, cap space, all that, um, Golden Tate though, you know, I was sad to see him go. He's a big playmaker. And I honestly thought, you know, he wouldn't want to leave. It was kind of disappointing to see him go, but you know, best of luck to him. You know, he's got to get paid. Everybody wants to do their thing. But I'm still confident that uh, we're going to have a great team next year, especially with uh, Percy Harvin being back in the mix and a couple of those other, uh, you know, like Jermaine Curse. He was huge this year. I so thought Doug Baldwin. I, Doug, I personally thought Doug Baldwin was the difference maker in the playoffs this past season. Oh, no doubt, man. Baldwin's huge, man. I'm a big fan of his. And again, he was like pretty sure he was the undrafted free agent too and he's been huge for them so i think you know pete carroll and those guys do a great job of you know building those guys up and uh you know it's not all about having the big names you know you got to build some of your guys up and uh you know seattle's been great at doing that so i'm confident we'll we'll be a powerhouse this next year too he is josh reddinghouse he's taking on marlon marias for the WSOF Bantamweight title at World Series of Fighting 9 in just a couple weeks' time. Josh, thanks a bunch for joining me, and, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, if you guys want to follow me or support me, man, uh, follow me on Twitter at JReddinghouse. Otherwise, um, you can also follow me um, on Facebook. Uh, my manager just made a fan page, and... Uh, yeah, I don't really mess around with Instagram, but, you know, however you want to follow me, give me a shout-out, send me some love, and support. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man, and good luck uh, in a couple weeks. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. How about that? Josh Reddinghouse saying he is ready to spoil World Series of Fighting's uh, plan of putting Marlon Marias as their inaugural bantamweight title. Very exciting to hear that. This kid is very new to the sport of MMA. He started his professional career in 2011, but he had something like seven fights in 2013, so he is not green in terms of uh, experience factor. Um, Very excited to see him take part in this uh, co-main event at World Series of Fighting 9 for the Bantamweight Championship against Marlon Marias. Very excited for this fight card, World Series of Fighting 9. So with that, we will get into our next guest. We will be joined by Elias Theodoro right after this.
Joining me now is a part of Team Canada on this season's Tough Nations. You may know him by his hair. Please welcome Elias Theodoro to Sucker Radio. Thanks for joining me today, Elias. Hey, my pleasure. And uh, everyone will be happy to know that I actually have a beard now, too. So it's oh, not just hair on top boy. of the head. <laughs> wow, bringing out the beard nation, eh? Yeah, it's all about. That's my first beard. It's a work in progress. Ah, how long have you been growing it? Uh, better part of a month. Wow, wow. So bring out the beard power if you're on the finale. We'll see. More time will tell. <laughs> so first off, congratulations on making it to the semifinals. Obviously, we can't talk much about how the upcoming fight goes, but great job thus far. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Now... On last night's episode, I, I'm going to talk about last night's episode a little bit here. We saw Cajun yep. Johnson take on teammate Chad LaPreece, and, and I have a few questions about it for you. First, it obviously sucks for those two to have to fight, as they, they, they were not only on the same team on the show, but also teammates at TriStar. What was the initial feeling from these guys and the team about fighting each other? Well, first of all, like it's, it's kind of like strange. The whole thing is strange, because even though it is a team sport, or it was a team effort. It was one of those things where we all knew the writing on the wall slowly and surely as we kept on winning that some of us were going to fight each other. And in the finale too, like it's, it's the inevitability of the situation. So obviously, like you said, um, Cajun and Chad know each other from beforehand. So obviously, and with, we throw Ollie into the mix, everyone was trying to find fight Richard first. But when the realization happened that Chad and Cajun were going to fight, it just, it just basically made everything real. It's that's what you came to do. Now we saw in the episode you were riding with Cajun to the to the fight itself in the van, just the two of you, and you you looked like you were just staring out the window while he was doing his whole rap and his <laughs> singing and stuff like that. What was going through your head while he was doing that? Were you were you able to motivate him at all during that, or was it just you sort of sitting there while he was motivating himself? Uh, well, one thing I can, I can actually say is with the magic of editing, you actually don't tell that I actually did fight the same day. So we're going to have to find out the whole result itself, but I was actually fighting that same day. So with that being said, we were both, he was in his zone and I was in mine. Okay. I get you there. I mean, we know Cajun cause we're from Vancouver and, and he lived up here for quite some time. He is a character yeah. himself. He's a sweetheart. He's really honestly just throw us out there. Like I, even on my team and not on my team, I, I basically grew to love each and one of them, each one of the guys that were out there, no matter what the team. And uh, the person that, honestly, that I've, like, I like the best is Cajun. Like, he, he has the greatest soul and uh, of everyone on the team. And to me, he deserves this contract more than anyone. So one thing the TV viewership noticed, and I saw comments on, on the, the underground, was that it seemed as if Patrick Cote, the coach, was giving strategy to LaPrice and not so much to Johnson. Um, Cote tweeted out, however, that this was all, you know, the joys of editing. Was this the case? I, I think for the most part, and definitely for the most part, actually. Um, right off the bat, um, Pat came there to help everyone. And the thing is, when Chad was basically getting ready for the fights, not before that, sorry, rather, uh, gearing up to the fights, he was, in his mindset, he was fighting Richard. And anyone that knows Chad knows that he's a very thoughtful person. And the whole idea and the whole little moment here and there with uh, uh, Pat, he was trying to get him in the mindset of getting ready to fight because um, he just thought he was fighting Richard. And it kind of just threw him off. 
And um, Pat was not nearly just trying to get him back into the rhythm. So uh, how- it was it was nothing. It was it was it was no um, mean intentions behind it. They were just he was just trying to help out one of his teammates. It, it did suck, however. I mean, I noticed obviously Chad had a few more cornermen than Cajun did, and and after the fight, Cajun was noticeably emotional about the fact that he couldn't hear anything from his corner because there really was no corner. Does how much of an effect on a fighter does that have when you don't have a corner to hear and 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 tell you what to do during a fight? Um, I, I I can understand that, and especially because of the. Um emotion of losing a fight and there, there was so much emotion and you throw in the fact that he was injured in that nature I, I cannot totally understand his his emotions that he was expressing um it was just one of those things where it kind of just like i think what really shows is just the confusion of the idea of all of it like two teammates fighting it was just the confusion that it was um he, uh Chadwick was just more um, proactive at getting people. That's that's all it was. It wasn't a teaming up. That wasn't their intent, and I don't believe so. Um, I just think um, it, it did obviously not work out in regards to not being able to hear too much because it's three versus one in regards to the voices. Exactly. And earlier we we spoke about editing and stuff like that. Is is the way the show's been edited for the TV viewership something that you've noticed being a part of this season? Um, in in terms of the way it comes off to fans, uh, with the fact that you've been in the house. Uh, sorry, run that by one more time. I, I said we we spoke about editing. So mm-hmm. the way the viewership sees it on TV, and from what you've seen, because you were firsthand in the house, is is the joys of editing something that that we we definitely see in terms of things like do we not see a lot of stuff that has been going on, and is it sort of edited out so that the fans are seeing more of what the UFC wants them to see? Well, I, I don't think it's a, I think it's a little bit of column A, column B in the sense that they're, they filmed 44 hours worth of uh, taking every single day, both teams, 24 hours, give or take. So that's how it basically worked out. And you key in the fact that there's only 45 minutes worth of minutes uh, worth of show when you cancel out all the commercials and whatnot it goes to show the, the difference of what went on. Not all of it's fun, not all of it's uh, what's all interesting. A lot of people just scratching their butt and maybe reading a book or something. But um, I think for the most part, it's it's it showed what happened. And it's one of those things where editing does come to play, but I think you see what actually happened because they filmed it. Yeah, for sure. Now, you're set to take on Tyler Manawaroa in the semifinals on the next episode. You said um, both those fights happened in the same day. What did you know about the Aussie before going into this bout, if anything? Well, I did. Yeah, I didn't really know anything, but obviously he got my attention after he pulled the upset against uh, Nordine. It was one of those things where, at first, yeah, when you take a first look and deeper, and because to throw this back to Cote, he was an amazing coach in the sense that he knew everything about everyone, both on our team and the opposing team. So he knew, even though Tyler's uh, record was 10-0, and 0, uh, there were a few cans in the mix. And But with that being said, he proved himself against Nardine, the machine, one would call him, because he took on Nardine and he got hit and kept hitting back. So you couldn't take anything away from him at that point. So he was 10-0, and 0, and I'm 8-0. and 0, So I wanted to fight the best fighter, and I thought it was Tyler after pulling the upset. 
Now, we know that um, obviously you can't speak about the outcome of the fight, but we know the outcome of Tyler and the fact that he is not going to get signed to the UFC due to a racial Instagram post from a few years back. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it, it's a shame in the sense that um, just the whole the whole situation, um, obviously what he did was wrong and there's no justifying it. You just simply can't. But with that being said, he's, He's a young kid. He's 19 years old, and he was younger when it happened, um, about 17 years old or whatever at the time. And honestly, after knowing Tyler, like I got along with him, and honestly, I, me and him hit it off like two peas in a pod. We we're both silly goofs. And the thing is, like when you when you get to know him, you, you despite the beard, the nose ring, and I don't know the shape, the hair, or whatever like that, he's even younger than he looks. Like he's a little kid, man, and. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's the kind of kid that, and I say kid even though he's 19, because he he is a kid. Anyone that knew him knows him, and anyone on the show knows him as that. He was just a kid. So, honestly, I think, and I hope the best for him, and I hope he just kind of takes this as a moment of reflection and learns from his mistake, because it was a mistake, and it was a grievous one. And I hope he just does what got him on the show in the first place, train and fight. He really needs to focus on that and not anything else. Now, I know the the UFC has done what they've done with them, but do you think that this is something that happened in the past? The UFC didn't find out about it before signing him to the show. Is this something that should have stayed in the past and they should have still given him the opportunity? Uh, well, here's one thing I'll say. Um, after the show, just before the wrap-up party we were going to have, they basically sat us down and had a conversation with us. And it's one of those things where, yes, they looked, but they also told us because we are now representatives of, representatives of the sport, representatives of the UFC. It was on us to present ourselves that way. Tyler should have gone back and looked at everything he did and thought about it, thought about everything that he put out there because he's now a public figure. And I did the same thing. Everything I put on, every maybe picture of me with a wobbly pop that I didn't want out there, I, I removed it because that's what you are. You're a figurehead. So I think it's a combination of he didn't do due diligence of what something I was wrong. And hopefully you can kind of use it as a learning lesson because it was a mistake, but it was his mistake. Now that you've stepped away from the house, you've been out of it for some time now. Um, what did you take away from the Ultimate Fighter that you didn't have in your tool belt prior to the coming to the house? Um, I, honestly, just the just to go into the experience, like the experience itself was an amazing thing. Like honestly, it was perfect. I went in there not knowing what to expect, and it blew me away. Like one thing I didn't expect is I would hit hit it off with everyone. Like. Honestly, I like everyone and I consider everyone my friend because not only did we have an amazing time together, we share something that few did, few have ever done before. So um, what I took back was just an experience, man, and it was awesome. And it's something you do again? Hell yeah, I would do it twice. Were, were you surprised at the fact of how Canadian, how many stereotypes there were with the way the house <laughs> was set up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the moose, the mighty moose. Um, no, nah, it was, well, it was very uh, Quebec, very, um, very uh, what do you call it, bourgeoisie, like, very fancy and whatnot. But honestly, I loved it. Uh, it's a little bit more, I guess, stereotypical Canadian than I even expected, I even expected or ever seen. But it was awesome, man. It made it unique. 
Now let's move away from this fight and, and fighting all together right now. I was watching um, Dragon's Den a few weeks back and saw and saw an old episode. I was like, holy crap, that's Elias shaking some bottle there. How the hell do you become a prop or man candy on a show like Dragon's Den? Uh, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, as a necessity uh, to be a full-time fighter, I kind of have my hand in many different cookie jars. And uh, one of the opportunities was to be on Dragon's Den. Uh, again, talking about the uh, magic of editing, this one I can definitely say they definitely edited to a specific way. To, uh, unfortunately, the lady uh, that I was out there with, they, I actually had plenty to say. I, I was actually her partner. And um, I basically went through a full-blown uh, strategy pitch in regards to the marking, but instead they cut it out and rather me make me just some eye candy to allow her look, to look a little more crazy. <laughs> But it happens. I look great. My mom said my skin looks great. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, you say you dabble in a few things outside of MMA, obviously, one of them being Harlequin romance novel cover yeah. model. How did that come Ten. about? Uh, like, I, I think I'm at like six, uh, eight. I think I'm at eight. <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things um, you do it once, and they kind of know who you are at that point. And for whatever reason, Harlequin seems to like my butt. Uh, all of mine are from kind of like, Turning back, uh, I swat. What can I say? Did you did you seek them out? Well, I have uh, I have an agent, uh, Stephanie, who works at uh, Top Talent Management, and she represents me as well. Now, I've heard some rumors swirlings that you are a rock paper scissors king. Just yeah. talk, talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, I went out to uh, basically. Uh, a circuit they have. They have them all over the place. Um, it was a rock, rock paper, scissors uh, championship. Me and a bunch of buddies went out for a road trip, and I placed tenth, tenth in the world. Tenth in the world. Where do, <laughs> how, do they bring guys in from all over the world to do these things? Yeah, there's uh, for for uh, me and my buddies or whatever like that. It was uh, more of a oh, I guess uh, open event, so anyone could go. But I'm sure there's some serious dudes there. I myself had uh, a couple of drinks and had a laugh. Hell, I think that'd be more exciting on TSN than, say, darts or billiards. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, what's it called? It, 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 there's, there are thousands of people, and it cuts down really quick. So it's it's really intense. So, what else, I mean, we talked Dragon's Den. We talked romance novels, rock, paper, scissors. What else does Elias Theodoro have his hands in? <laughs> I've done uh, many different other types of uh, modeling campaigns. Uh, you can actually find me on the um, the Raptors website and the Miami Heat website, uh, rocking some gear and doing some modeling for them. I've also done plenty of stunt work on TV shows like The Listener and um, Played. I also did a um, a stretchy DVD, uh, we call Lionsgate movie, called The Number One Contender. Now, and uh, a couple more that I'm forgetting. Now, obviously, it, it sounds like you're known for your looks. How much? Would you have rather been on um, the Ultimate Fighter season where there were men and women in the house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been fun, but um, I don't know. It's one of those things where you could look but no touch, so there's no point. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Elias Theodoro. He's set to take on Tyler Manawaroa on the next episode of the Ultimate Fighter. Elias, it's been a pleasure joining me today, man. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe, any sponsors you want to shout out and stuff like that. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Um, basically, it was an honor, man. Great talking to you as well. Uh, you can all find me on uh, at Elias Theodoro on Twitter and uh, Elias Theodoro MMA on Instagram. And I also have a Facebook page. You can find that. It's The Spartan. And uh, my name follows that. And I have, uh, honestly, great sponsors. Uh, I couldn't do without them. I want to thank Tribeca Finance Corporation. I also want to uh, thank Fuel Foods and a whole host of other guys that are, and also uh, uh, Port and Moving as well. Thanks a lot, Elias, and, and all the best next week, and, and hopefully we see you in the Tough Nations finale. Only time will tell. Uh, everyone, stay tuned, and uh, check it out next week. It's going to be a good one. Cheers, man. Cheers. Elias Theodoro taking on Tyler Manawarola in the semifinals of Tough Nations on next week's episode. I'm very excited to see how the Canadian does against the Aussie. Uh, sorry to hear about Cajun Johnson this week. He had to take on his teammate Chad LaPriest, but congrats to Chad on, on a big knockout win and heading his way to the finale with that, that victory. Um, some rumors and uh, news that came out this week. Uh, we obviously have Dwayne Bang Ludwig uh, leaving Team Alpha Male. The team is looking for a new coach. Uh, he, he didn't want that news to go public. He told MMAJunkie.com. However, uh, he will be leaving Team Alpha Male and, and heading to Colorado. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus BJ Penn is set to headline the Tough 19 finale card July 6th in Las Vegas. We were hoping to get that one in Vancouver, but that was not the case. Uh, anything else that was going down? We have a few fight announcements uh, that got announced over the past week or so. We've got Anthony Njokwani, who meets Vink. Vince Pichel at UFC 173 in May in Las Vegas. UFC 174 in Vancouver has its first fight announcement. It's not flashy by any means in terms of fireworks or main card talent, but we have Daniel Serafian taking on Kichi Kunamoto, um, probably in what will be preliminary card action. Uh, UFC in June, a UFC June event in Albuquerque is getting Lance Benoit, against uh, Bobby Volker, which is a fun little matchup. The UFC announced the Tough 20. Um, Strawweight women are invited to tryouts in April in Las Vegas. Um, And we have found out that the Albuquerque event in June, which we just spoke about, will be headlined by Benson Henderson versus Rustam Kabalov, which is going to be an extremely fun fight for uh, Albuquerque fans, as Benson Henderson is from um, Team Jackson and Winklejohn, which is very fun to see. As I said, last week was uh, UFC 171. Uh, check out the website, MMASucker.com, for everything UFC 171 related. This weekend, we have UFC um, Fight Night 38, uh, Henderson versus Shogun on Sunday, as I said, in North America from Brazil. It's live on Fox Sports 1. But on Friday, we have two fight cards. We have Bellator 113 with Attila Vague, Emmanuel Newton in the main event for the title. And also on Friday on Access TV, we have Legacy FC 29, which features Leonard Garcia and Shane Howell for the Featherweight Championship. And also the vacant light heavyweight title is up for grabs as Paul Buentello takes on Myron Dennis. Um, other fighters on that card 
our uh, Ultimate Fighter veteran and UFC veteran Jonathan Brookins, who will take on Cody Fuller. So that's a fun fight card at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma, live on Access TV this Friday night. I'd like to thank my guest now, Elias Theodoro from Tough Nations, Team Canada, for joining me. I'd like to thank Josh Reddinghouse. Look forward to his scrap against Marlon Marias at World Series of Fighting 9 coming up in a couple weeks' time. I'd like to thank you all for listening. You can find Sucker Radio on MMASucker.com, MMAopinion.co.uk, as well as iTunes. Make sure you head over there, search Sucker Radio, subscribe to us, comment. Maybe we'll be giving away some contest prizes if you comment on the show. So please do that. Check us out on Stitcher. Make sure you give us the thumbs up over there as our uh, we'd like to move up the rankings a little bit. And you can find us on TuneIn as well. So that's it for me. I am Jeremy Brand. This was Sucker Radio. I am out. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and I'm here to tell you about making the right choice when it comes to your evening's entertainment. <laughs> There's only one surefire way to get real moments worth paying for. And let me tell you from bitter personal experience, it doesn't involve succumbing to the temptation of smelly pirate hookers. You need the real thing. Oh yeah, prime visual real estate. The right music, the right lighting, the right people. Oh, it's gene creaming time. An experience that arouses all six senses. You don't want to be left feeling sad, lonely, and ripped off on a Saturday night. So the next time you think about doing it on the cheap, just don't do it at home. Go to the cinema. By the beard of Zeus, what is this? Is this film piracy? For that shimmering pretender to television's crown? What the hell is this thing? I thought I was giving these young bucks the benefit of my wisdom on the best way to get a solid serving of gentleman's relish at a reasonable rate. The love of Pete. Ugh.